Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Before we get started today, I've got a bit of a favour to ask you. So we're planning some summer workshops at the moment for um, members of the Do Modern Therapy wider community, so everybody listening to this podcast. And I'm trying to work out what's going to be most useful for you guys. So there's two workshops that we're thinking of running over the summer, and they're both going to be completely free and open to everybody. Um, So the first one is a repeat of our Find Your Specialism training, because we get such great feedback from that, and lots of people contacted me last time saying they'd missed it and they really wanted to attend so I thought we might run that one again and the other one that we're thinking of running is the 50 minute business plan which is a new training where I'll take you through the key components of a useful business plan and help you to start to create or update yours in 50 minutes Um, but I'm not sure what you guys want so I've put a poll on the Do Modern Therapy page on Facebook And if you could just hop over there and tap which option would suit you best, that would really help me make a decision uh, because I'm kind of trapped in uncertainty at the moment. So I'd really appreciate it if you could just vote in that poll and let me know uh, which training is going to be most useful for you this summer. I'll probably put it on over a couple of different dates in July and August to try and catch everybody in between summer holidays. Um, And it's just something we're doing really because we're aware that the next round of Psychology Business School isn't starting until September and there are lots of people who will be wanting to launch their private practice or give their private practice a bit more attention in September and might be really wanting to get started. So yes, please do. After you finish listening to this episode, of course, hop on over to the Do Modern Therapy page and just let me know your preferences in that poll. Or if you've got a better idea, um, I'll leave the option open so that you can add your idea into the poll as well. Because I, I, I'd love to know what you guys would benefit the most from. Okay, so let's get on with today's show. This is a special episode of The Business of Psychology because today I'm answering a really great question that came from one of our Do More Than Therapy members in our private Facebook community this week. So this is a question from Dr Paula Redmond and Paula has a practice for helping health professionals deal with stress and burnout and she's part of our program for people who have a thriving practice already but who want to find more creative and impactful ways to serve people. And Paula identified what is a really big problem for many psychologists and therapists in independent practice who want to get out there and do something a bit different. And that is that we just don't know whether our ideas for an online course, a book, a workshop series, app, or whatever innovative thing you're dreaming of, we just don't know whether it will work. So a few years ago, I came across two books that really shaped my thinking on this subject. And if you love all things entrepreneurship, like I do, I would really highly recommend them. I mean, honestly, they make me feel excited just thinking about them. So the first one that I'd recommend is Pat Flynn's Will It Fly? And I'd also really thoroughly recommend Eric Rees, The Lean Startup. Now, they come from totally different perspectives and both are very, very far removed from the way that we usually think about psychology and therapy and independent practice. 
but that is why they're so useful to us. We need to change our gear slightly when we're coming up with an innovative idea because unlike therapy, which is tried and tested and known to the public, we're talking about creating something that the public has never seen or heard of before. This kind of project is a much bigger risk, so it needs a totally different mindset and approach. And some of the more traditional approaches to marketing that you might have come across, which tell you to do things like surveys and focus groups, they've kind of missed how society has moved on and how we've got so much more access to genuine conversations with people these days than we would have done when a lot of those books were written in the 80s and 90s. So what I love about both of these books is that they help you to see how we can use all of the social media and communication tools that are at our disposal now to really genuinely get under the skin of the people we're trying to help and figure out how we can best help them solve their problems. So if you've got the time, I would definitely recommend that you read those books. But I know a lot of you have got a stack of books on your nightstand that are pretty overpowering and that you mainly hope (laughs) to absorb by osmosis. So in case that's you, I thought I'd share with you now the process that I developed as a result of my interpretation of those books. And it's the process that I used to develop the Psychology Business School online course. So I'm going to be able to illustrate it with some examples that might seem a bit familiar to you if you've known me for a little while. Okay, so it roughly breaks down into 12 steps and I've I've included a summary um, of the steps that I talk through here in the show notes. So you can either grab a pen and paper to make sure you don't miss any steps out or you can just head over to the show notes uh, which you can find on the podcast app or on psychologybusinessschool.com where they're all mapped out for you. So don't worry about taking notes if that's not going to help your learning or if you're walking or running or showering or cleaning or whatever you do while you listen to this podcast. Um, All of that will be mapped out for you in the show notes. Okay, so the first step, and you will have heard me talk about this so often on this podcast that you're probably bored, but in case you haven't, you need to know who the ideal client or user of the product or service that you're thinking about creating is. So go back to the Ideal Client Avatar podcast episode for a bit more um, information on how you can hone that down and how you can get talking to your ideal clients because you need a really clear picture of the client group that you're trying to serve um, with this product or service that you're dreaming of. So the second step then is to find those people where they already are. So rather than doing anything assertive, rather than setting up your own community at this stage or trying to um, influence them by you know, putting on a focus group, we're going to try and find them where they're already organically talking about the problems that you might be able to help them solve. And really, it's all about listening at this stage. So when I was setting up, well, I I didn't even have the idea actually for psychology business school at this point. I just knew that I was craving connection with other psychologists and therapists and that I wanted to build something into my work that allowed us to kind of band together as a community. That's as vague as my ideas were at the beginning. So I knew who the ideal client was because it was basically me, a lonely person in private practice. Um, But I didn't have an idea really of what the problems were that everyone else was facing. I knew what problems I was facing, but I didn't know what everyone else was struggling with. 
so at this stage stage number two where I was just trying to find other people with the similar struggle I just went into existing Facebook groups we've got some brilliant ones and just noticed you know what are people talking about in here what are other people struggling with and I noted down some of the key problems that kept emerging time after time after time in those groups and kept being spoken about because that's a really good indication. If people are bringing them to those groups, they're trying to solve that problem. They're actively looking for a solution and they're looking for other people's advice about it. So step number three is to note down the solutions that they're already accessing. What are they already trying? Is there a problem that they're trying to solve, but the solutions are inadequate for some reason? So it could be that you know, maybe a question keeps coming up, but there are loads of conflicting advice about it and nobody knows who to trust. Or maybe there's uh, solutions, but they only half solve the problem and they don't do the whole job. So many examples of that for psychologists and therapists in private practice. Things like, you know, people asking, can we claim this on tax? Um, Can we claim this on our tax return? And, you know, 10 different answers all giving a different opinion. Um, that's what prompted me actually to create the first workshop um, that I created which was all about tax (laughs) and numbers Um, but we'll talk about that uh, a bit later at this stage it's really just about noticing what people are already doing to try and help themselves and if those solutions are adequate or not so once you're starting to get a sense of all of that and you've got some kind of detailed notes you're starting to get to know your ideal client group and their problems really really well Then you want to start growing a community of your own and an email list of these ideal users. So to do this, you need to start creating free content. That can be blogs, podcasts, high quality social media posts that help them to solve these problems. And you can use social media to promote that. So if you've got a budget, it is quicker if you can use some low cost engagement Facebook ads. There's a real skill to that, but it doesn't have to be expensive. And this is just about gaining a little bit of visibility because you need at least a small group of people to start talking to you at this stage. Now, if you've heard Facebook ads and are getting excited, um, like me, I've been playing with Facebook ads for years. Um, They are a bit tricky. But low cost engagement ads, which is literally where you're not trying to take people off Facebook at all because that's expensive. You're just trying to get people to pay attention to a video that you've made um, or a social media post that you've created. Then those you can put just a couple of pounds of budget to a day to get a small group of people at least seeing your stuff and you can see then how they react to it. Um, So I've got a podcast episode which will give you some more ideas on how you can use Facebook organically to start growing your audience for your new product or service. You don't have to do ads, um, but it will accelerate your process. If you've got a small budget and you're starting from scratch, it can be helpful to try and, you know, get people talking to you in the very early stages. So I thought I'd mention it because that's something that I did do. So your next step, once you've started putting out some free content like blogs or podcasts and you can see how people react to that content. So you'll you'll probably notice that, you know, maybe you create six podcast episodes. Well, if two or three of them have way more people listening to them than the rest 
or if there's one which people always email you about afterwards and say oh thank you for that that was exactly what I needed or even if it's a social media post that you put out there that just got loads of comments and likes and shares then you know that that is a good area for you to focus on for this client group that this is something they're really really interested in so you have to pay micro attention to what's going on with all that stuff that you're putting out there and then use that to inform your next step, which is to create something small, ideally free or very, very low cost that helps to solve the problem. So that could be that you you create a download that, that goes alongside that really popular podcast episode, or that you create a checklist that goes alongside the blog post that most people are reading. And make sure that whatever it is you offer, the people that download it are added to your email list. That's really important because the next step is to get feedback from them. What was the most useful thing about this download that you've created? Or what what was it missing? What would they like more of from you? And at this stage, you've really done well. If you've managed to get to this point where you've built an audience that is big enough that you're getting feedback and conversations with people and they're engaging with you, then you've got gold dust because anything that you create, if you can get feedback on it, you can make it better and you can improve it. Now, you might have noticed something so far with steps one to six. So far, we have not imposed any of our idea on anybody. We have been entirely guided by what we're hearing from the audience. Now, I know that you may have an idea in your mind that you want this to be an online course, or you want this to be an app, or you want this to be a book. But it's really, really important not to let that creep in until you've got enough people that you can ask them directly about whether they like that format or not because this is a big assumption that we can make often you know we're we're not sure really whether people would benefit the most from something like an online course or a book we might know which one we'd prefer to create but we don't know which one they're most likely to buy so if you create a download um i mean it doesn't have to be a download if you were thinking about ultimately creating a physical product it could be something physical it's just that you don't really want to be spending money at this point because there's still a good chance that you're going to completely pivot and change your ideas so in order to keep your mind open to that some kind of digital download is usually the lowest risk way of doing it and I know for a lot of you listening to this it will be something like an online course that's on your mind and in that case a digital download works really really well. Okay, so you've created your small download and you're getting feedback now from the users about what was the most useful, the least useful. Did they actually download it and interact with it? It's it's really surprising to me how frequently people download something because you've written a really compelling social media post or a really great Facebook ad, but they don't actually use it. And the thing is, if they don't use it, they're not going to pay for anything that solves that problem because they couldn't even be bothered to use something they already had. So it's really important to find out, did people use it? Now, if people did use it and you've got positive feedback that you're on the right track and this is a problem that people really want help with solving and they want the next step from you, then you can start to create something a bit bigger that you can charge for. 
So this shouldn't be massive. This should be something that takes you a few hours, not a few days, not a few weeks. So we're not talking about a massive online course. We're not talking about an app that's going to be costly and huge to build. We're talking about something along the lines of a workshop or if you're a writer, maybe you know a short booklet that you can charge 9.99 for. We're talking something pretty small and a low investment from people. Um, so for example, when I was doing the kind of early work, getting to know the audience and trying to figure out the needs for Psychology Business School, I created one-off workshops at this stage. So the first one I think I did was a numbers workshop with a tax accountant, because this was something that people were talking about all the time in our professional groups. You know, can I claim for this? Can I claim for that? Um, and there was lots of confusion about, you know, should I be a sole trader? Should I be a limited company? And I knew just the guy to answer those questions. Um, so I got him in to do a workshop for us that people could pay, I think it was about £45 for as a one-off, because that's a fairly low investment, um, but it gives a really good indication of whether people are willing to pay to solve this problem. So there are problems that people would be very interested in the idea of solving, but they won't pay for it. And, and sometimes that's because it's what we call um, not a buying market. And that might mean that people don't place a monetary value on solving that particular problem. And sadly, that is very often true around topics relating to mental health. Um, or you might be trying to reach a market that just doesn't have any disposable income or they perceive that they don't have any disposable income. There are so many issues surrounding the way that people view their mental health, the priority they place on it, whether they feel that they are worth taking from the family income to spend money on it. You know, we're familiar with all of these issues because they come up um, when people approach us for therapy as well. All of those issues are kind of writ large um, when it comes to you know trying to sell something to a bigger market like an online course or a book or a workshop series or, or whatever it is that you're trying to do or certainly an app. So if all the other indicators are good, so your download was really well used, people are engaged and talking to you about this issue, you've built a community around it, you're getting loads of feedback from people and they're really grateful for everything that you've created but they just didn't part with money for it that's when you might want to consider taking a different route so you might then want to take all of that social proof that you've gathered that people really want um, something in this subject area and you might want to approach some grant funders if you're a social enterprise or even if you're not a social enterprise, you might want to approach charities with a view to partnering up with them to create this product and get it out to people without them paying directly. That you can use all of the social proof that you gained from steps one to seven to demonstrate that there is a need for this product and there's a desire for it. Um, and charities may well be able to pay you to create it. So if you discover that you haven't got a buying market, for one reason or another, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to shelve the idea completely. It might just mean that you need to go a different route about it. However, if you find that you know you're, you're fairly confident that these people could afford the you know forty quid or the forty five quid that you've 
um, put out there for this workshop or small thing, small offering, um, and they're just not willing to, then it might be that this isn't really a big enough problem. It's not enough of a priority to them and you want to go back all the way back up to step one and start looking again at the problems that they're coming up with and trying going through this process with a different problem. Um, and that can smart a little bit. <laughs> um, and I, I've had to do it loads of times, um, especially when I was creating courses and services in the perinatal space. I really, I did this whole process many, many times. Um, but it's really, really useful at this stage. So I would very much encourage you to do something that you charge for, but that doesn't take massive amounts of investment on your part. Um, really important not to jump in and try and make something really big too quickly. All right, so step eight. If you have decided that you are going to sell directly to people and you think you have got a market that will buy from you, the next step is to try and estimate the size of that potential market. So how many people are likely to want or need this product or service? And you can use that to set, set your expectations and to consider the price point that you can offer a product or service at. So if you've got a really big market available, then lower cost products can work if that's what you want to do. But if it's a very small market, then you're gonna have to have a higher cost product because otherwise you're not gonna be able to sustain that part of your business. So it's really important at this stage, just have a little pause and work out how big your potential market might be. Now, it depends on you know what area you're in. You will probably be able to get some stats if you look up, for example, how many people in the UK are diagnosed with depression each year. It's not desperately useful. Of course, there are lots of people struggling with low mood who are not gonna get a diagnosis of depression, and it might be that those are more the people that you want to reach. But you can use things like that to give you a benchmark at this stage um, that can be really useful. Another way of doing it could be to get in touch with other services in your area. So you could talk to GPs, other health professionals, how many people are they seeing with this struggle that they would you know, like to be able to offer something lighter touch to before the point of crisis. You can use that to start estimating you know, how big do you think this market is gonna be for you. Then, once you've sort of got all of that information together, so you've gotten to know your ideal clients really, really well at this point, and you've also started to think in business terms a little bit about the market and the reality of the um, prospect of making money in this market, that is when you can start to plan the full version of the product or service. So you can start thinking, okay, based on what I know about these people and how they've interacted with me so far, what is the best way to help them solve this problem that we've narrowed down to? Is it gonna be an online course? Are they able and willing to interact with an online course? What sense do I get of their kind of enjoyment and willingness to do stuff online? Or you know, is it more likely to be a book? How much investment are they likely to be able to make? And how much time investment do I want to give to this? Um, all of these things will inform your decision about whether it's an online course or an app or a book or a workshop series or a physical product that you need to create to help these people. 
So it's very, very important that you take the blank sheet of paper and you really allow your creative mind to brainstorm on this topic based on these people that you now know inside out. Um, Because you might have started this process thinking, I want this to be an online course. But if, if something that you've discovered along the way tells you that it shouldn't be, then it probably shouldn't be. Um, So it's really, really important that you haven't got preconceived ideas and that you're really wedded to um, before you get to this point. Then when you've got an idea, so you've planned it all out and you think you know how you're going to solve this problem for people. Then step number 10, you create a sales page. So I know that probably seems a little bit alien, that you haven't got the product or service, you have not created it yet, but you know what you want it to look like, you know what problem it's solving, and you know who you want it to solve the problem for. So you create a basic sales page for it, which invites people to pre-order the product or service for beta testing. And this is where you let a very small group of people have access to the product or service at the lowest price possible that you can possibly offer it at. So you can get that real life user feedback and you can make refinements. So this is all about solving problems that might come up. So say, you know, you create the sales page and and nobody buys it, no one does. Then you go back and you ask your audience, okay, what, what was it that was unattractive about this? Was it the format? Maybe it is that they didn't want an online course, they wanted something else. Or maybe it was that you know, you've offered them a book and actually they really want a video series, they really don't want a book. Um, or if a few people go for it, but, they, but you're not getting good engagement, they don't seem to be making good use out of it, then you've got a brilliant opportunity to find out you know, what makes this difficult to use, how could I make it better? Is it that this isn't quite the content that resonates with you? So it's all about the feedback and adjusting everything um, to, to help those beta testers get the best possible experience of, of using your product or service. So step number 11 is creating that product or service as you go for the beta testers. So you start with the absolute minimum. You're not pumping in loads of investment. You're not buying fancy equipment. You're not, um, you're not putting like 10,000 pounds into the initial development of an app. So if you were testing an, an online course idea, for example, you might create and teach the modules live week by week. That allows you to be responsive to feedback. And I know it's a bit stressful and I can I, I can imagine a couple of your faces going, oh my gosh, so you mean I haven't even written it all at the beginning? But no, because as soon as you do that, as soon as you write everything at the beginning, you will become wedded to that um, syllabus. And if people tell you, actually that's, you know, that topic's not that interesting to me, could we do more on this? You really need to be responsive to that. If you're creating something more tangible, like an app or a product release, then you wanna be creating the absolute minimum version that has the core functionality that you want to give to people. And then you add your features and improvements for your users week by week. So they can tell you what really matters to them. What do they want next? So so long as they know that this is part of the journey that you're on, and that's why they're getting it at such an awesome price, they'll actually often enjoy helping you. So at every stage of this, you have to be willing to scrap every preconception you've had 
and just kind of do what people tell you they want from you because user feedback is the most important thing you could ever have in business. So that's all of the practical steps, but step 12 is just that all the way through this process, you're really gonna have to practice what I call behavioral resilience. So you'll definitely create things that don't work and you'll probably do that repeatedly. I've done it loads and loads of times. Um, And that hurts, it really hurts every time. Every time you get really excited and you invest hours of your time in something and then it turns out that it's not a goer, that is not a great feeling. And you'll put loads of time and effort into projects that you end up scrapping completely. But you have to trust the process that those are the springboards for the projects that are gonna work. And if you can tolerate and move through all of that pain and uncertainty, and you can keep talking to people, putting out your free content, and um, building that audience of your ideal client group all the way through, then you are gonna hit on the right idea eventually because people will give it to you. So I hope that helps give you a bit of a framework for how you will start testing out your more than therapy ideas. Because I know we've got loads of people in our community who are desperate to get an online course out there or desperate to to get a book out. And it can feel really frightening to think, you know, what if I get this wrong? But it really is all about listening to people and being willing to pivot and be flexible according to what they tell you. Um, Which is actually quite different to the way that we're trained a lot of the time. Um, A lot of the time we identify problems with people and then we've got you know protocols and frameworks that we've been told to use with them but just like most of us discover in our journey as qualified psychologists and therapists actually usually what works best for the individual is a flexible approach Um, and that is very very true in business as well so it's all about that psychological flexibility and I really hope this process will will help you with that it hasn't been easy for me to develop it over the years um, but it's something that I just would not be without I would never start a new business idea without going through this process now so I hope it's going to help before you go I really need your help with something so over the summer I'm planning to run some free workshops for you guys so that anyone thinking of starting or growing their practice in September can get a bit of a jump start on it because we're not running any psychology business school courses over the summer So at the moment, I'm thinking of running two sessions, a a repeat of our Find Your Specialism training, which has got such amazing feedback, and I know that lots of people want us to do that one again, and a session called the 50-Minute Business Plan, where I take you through the key components of a useful business plan and help you to start or create or update yours in 50 minutes. I've put a poll on the Do More Than Therapy page on Facebook and if you could just hop over there and just tap which option would suit you best, that would be really, really helpful. Or you can always add another option in if you prefer, it's not set in stone yet. I just really like your feedback on the training that's going to be the most useful to you guys over the summer. So thank you so much in advance and I'll see you next week. you for listening to this week's episode of the business of psychology podcast if you share my passion for doing more than therapy then make sure you come over and join my free do more than therapy facebook community where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists 
I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.